And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is a rewatch party edition. Yes, we have completely ripped off the rewatchables concept from our friends at the Ringer. I feel no shame in this. Uh, they're, they're doing it with classic movies of, of our childhood. We're going to do it with classic college football games, though, because there are a lot of games that bear reassessment now. And we've picked some really fun ones for you this week. This one, I'm not sure we could have done if something hadn't happened in January. And so I bring in Seth Emerson, our Georgia beat writer. Aaron Suttles, our Alabama beat writer. We're doing the second and 26th game which I'm not sure Georgia fans could have handled if they hadn't beaten Alabama for the national title just recently. Seth, do, do, do you think the, the statute of limitations is now over? Yeah, I, I was saying that I think the only way I could – I would agree to do this because I love you, Andy, but <laughs> the only way that I would agree that I would tweet out that I did the show and tweet out talking about Second 26 is that Georgia fans – have hopefully now exercised those demons. And not that you can look back on it and laugh, but it's it's not as painful. You you have a lot an audience to consider. And and there was a lot of psychic weight to this game that I feel like is is lifted. And you know, the the Keeley Ringo interception will now be their version of second and twenty-six. And but but Aaron Suttles this one, I still feel like this was the one where Nick Saban sort of said, I am the greatest of all time because look at what I did in this game. Yeah. I mean, the decision to go to the true freshman at halftime, um, what will stand out to a lot of people, Andy, you know this, I know this. It was supposed to happen the game before. It was yes. supposed to happen against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. And and after that, after Tua did not get in that game, and the reason he didn't get in the game against Clemson because they figured out, we don't need offense to be Clemson in this game. They, our defense is suffocating them. Their Georgia defense off- actually was their offense. I mean, Deron Payne caught a touchdown pass in the Clemson game. Well, because he because Tua didn't get in that game, he was gone. He was not coming back to Alabama. He was gone. He would have been in the transfer portal. And, and one of your – you do a lot of those what-if articles. Yeah. If he doesn't get in that game and it doesn't go down against Georgia, Tua doesn't play at Alabama for most of his career. Yeah. I mean, it, this, this was crazy. And remember, we're coming off – Georgia beating Oklahoma in that classic Rose Bowl. Alabama crushes number one seed. Remember, going into this game, the big deal was should Alabama even make the playoff? They didn't win the division. They lost to Auburn. Georgia is the SEC champion. Alabama is not even the West champion. But then Alabama crushes the number one seed. No one was arguing about Clemson being the number one seed. So I feel like that argument was gone. And then it became, okay, this is the national title game. So we had this, this game where we thought, okay, this is going to be a defensive struggle. Jake Fromm, true freshman quarterback for Georgia, probably going to struggle against Alabama's defense. 
We'd seen Jalen Hurts. He it, it hadn't been the prettiest thing. And I, I, Aaron, I go back. There was a Calvin Ridley interview session in New Orleans before the Sugar Bowl where it felt like he was dropping some hints about displeasure with the offense. And, and it's weird because usually the receiver who's getting fed most of the balls is fine with it. But, but for Calvin Ridley, it was like, okay, can we please throw to somebody else so I'm not quadruple covered? You know, he, he played the good soldier, but by the end of Calvin Ridley's career at Alabama, wasn't the biggest Jalen Hurts fan. I think I'm, I can safely say that. I don't, I don't want to get into details about that, but I think he was a little frustrated. Yeah. And you remember in that game, he's got a touchdown wide open, and Jalen Hurts overthrows him. I mean, yes. Alabama should have been up 7 nothing in that game, and he badly overthrows him. So, you know, Calvin uh, – in that particular game, it was it was interesting watching him and then the way it played out with the freshman. But um, they couldn't do much with, with Jalen at quarterback. No, they couldn't. It was really Jalen runs were their, their best offense in the first half. Meanwhile, Seth, Georgia's offense was was actually working pretty well, given the fact that they're playing this incredible defense with all these future NFL players. Uh, Fromm did not look too small for the moment. He seemed he seemed perfectly fine with it. Uh, but. I do wonder, you know, it, it, as this game went on, watching it again, I was a little surprised. Sony Michelle was actually the much more effective runner between the tackles, but they kept going back to Chubb late, and I was surprised by that. Why not just stick with Michelle? Sony got banged up in the game. Oh, was that uh, that what it was? He okay, was, he was he was playing through injury, but he got banged up. Javon Wims, their number one receiver that he was year, banged was knocked up, yeah. out. He was, yeah, he didn't return. He didn't play. Um, so, speaking of the Ridley family, Riley yeah. Ridley became Georgia's huge because he he stepped into J- the Javon Wims role. He was second team. He stepped into the the that spot, and and Fromm kept fighting him. Yeah, Georgia's offense that game, especially in the first half, was as like people envision the Kirby smart offense. It's evolved since then, but uh, it was. Chubb and Michelle and then a sprinkling of DeAndre Swift and, and efficiency on offense with Fromm. But in the second half, if you remember, when Tua comes in and Alabama immediately cuts it to 13-7 and you go, oh, here we go, Fromm hits McCole Hardman. Yes, on that 80 yards. Bomb. Yeah, you, yeah, we remember – we we were all in that like right side, like watching that ball in the air. It was like the prettiest ball. Um, and Georgia's immediately back up 20 to seven. But as the half goes on, as the second half goes on, Jeb Blazevich would tell me uh, a year or two later, and this was in my book, um, that this was one of those cases where fans have an impression and have like a, you know, a fan conspiracy kind of theory thing. And usually they're just kind of wrong. This time they were right. Blazevich and other people have told me, yeah, Jim Chaney took his foot off the pedal. He called well, the same play three straight times, according to Blazevich. I'm like, no, you mean like a guy, go, you know, three basic same play, like, but this guy goes, there's no, 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 same play three straight times. There, There's a moment, and we'll get to it as we get into the game and into the, the second half where I, I feel like if they, if Georgia had just taken one little chance that it, that might have been it right there and Georgia wins. But it, I don't know about you guys. As I rewatched, I kept thinking about, okay, every little moment that could have happened that, that, that makes second and 26 never happen. Like how, how many? So 
Here, I'll start with one. The, the Tony Brown interception early on the left sideline, if Javon Wims catches that, which Tony Brown basically just Certainly. ripped it out of his hands. Right. Like if Javon Wims catches that, maybe that's a Georgia field goal and, and, and Bama can't tie it. And, and, and there's, and, and I keep thinking about it. And, and then what Aaron, you just mentioned hurts missing the wide open Calvin Ridley in the end zone. Like that, that should have. Now here's one that I think is interesting. And poor Irv Smith gets the blame for this. This is not Irv Smith's fault. Remember Bama had a field goal attempt early in the game. Somebody jumped, and it was 82 Irv Smith that the ref identified. It was actually 92 Quentin Williams who did it. And, you know, Quentin going to contribute vitally to the next season's Alabama team. That was not his finest moment, but it forces our friend Andy Papanastos into a longer field goal. And, and here's he had a redo in the Sugar Bowl after a flag, and Papanastos missed that field against Clemson. But he rarely misses from this range. The timing was off, and that was ugly from the start. I know what you're saying, announcer's curse, but that, that just was not well executed. So our friend Andy's going to have a, a couple appearances on this podcast, and I feel bad for him. I, I, I do, because I don't like to pile on kickers. Yeah. But he... He's going to have another one of these later <laughs> that this is going to loom very large. So, but yes, if, cause he hits the first one. It, when, when they, they blew it dead. Yeah. So if Quentin Williams doesn't jump, maybe there's no second and 26. Right. It's just that, that little thing. I love how Fowler put the hex on him. I feel like yes. there's one thing you can't say about Alabama kickers is that he's been pretty good from this distance. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and and then Fowler goes, it's not the announcer's curse. Yes, it is. That's totally your fault. But yeah. It, and, and then, so you, you're, you're going back and forth. Basically, if you're Alabama, the biggest chunks of yards are coming on Jalen Hurts, either design runs or scrambles. Georgia puts together a nice drive and you know, it, they finally do break through on a play that, they get a little, little tricky here. The ball just outside the one. First down. I'd be surprised to see Michelle maybe in the wild dog. Yep, Ron motions out. It's Miko Hardman instead. The receiver comes in. They hand it. Nope, they keep it. And sprinting to the edge. Who saw that coming? I thought that touchdown, I thought, it, I thought with what we've seen from Alabama offensively, they can't overcome it. Right. And, and Georgia – Tax on some some Rodrigo Blankenship field goals. And I mean, it's 13 to nothing at halftime. 13 to nothing. And I thought Saban's halftime interview with Tom Rinaldi was, was very interesting because you know you, you you sort of he's he's not he's not despondent. Like we all think this game's over. He doesn't. So let's let's hear Nick Saban with Tom Rinaldi. Well, we got to do something. I mean, we just can't move the ball effectively. We haven't been able to throw it effectively at all. So, uh, and I don't think it's just all the quarterback. I think it's the whole whole group. We got to get open. We got to protect better. And you know, defensively, we're making too many mistakes, especially on third down when we got a chance to get off the field. So, had plenty of chances to stay in the ball game. Nick, it is quarterback. It's not. It the- is a quarterback. Yes, <laughs> and he said that too. He got open in the end zone. Yeah. Receivers were getting open. Blind was blocking. It was the quarterback. Yeah. And Kirby Smart, the coach who 
remember at that point he had worked for, he had left like two years ago. Right. So he goes in the coach's meeting room in at halftime and Kirby turns to his staff and goes, he's going to put in Tua. He's going to make a quarterback switch. And Shane Beamer told me later, Shane Beamer who told me that story, told me that he didn't believe it. He's like, they're going to do that. And Kirby's like, I know him. Well, He's going to switch quarterbacks. When you bring, you bring up Shane Beamer, let's talk about the coaches in this game. So Shane Beamer, now the head coach at, at South Carolina, was Georgia's special teams coach. Georgia's defensive coordinator is Mel Tucker, who was another one of those people who left Alabama with Kirby. Mm-hmm. He was the DB's coach. Obviously, Mel Tucker doing great at Michigan State right now. Brian Dable is calling the plays for Alabama. Brian Dable is now the New York Giants head coach. Right. Uh, Sam mean, Pittman. And Sam Pittman is, is, is George's O-line coach, and he's the Arkansas head coach. Yeah. Mario Cristobal. Yes. Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, that was – And we were going to mention Jeremy Pruitt because yeah. his coaching stint didn't work so well. But, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot the, – the brain power on both of these sidelines is off the charts. Like, that. that's what makes this great. And, Seth, you're right. It was interesting how many people in that stadium were like, okay, got to go to Tua. So I, I thought it was curious. The first mention of Tua's name in the ESPN broadcast is Fowler. I'm sorry, Herb Street says it kind of as they're throwing to halftime. You kind of wonder if he's going to put in Tua Tungvaluwa. Like that's the kind of in passing. And then the they get to the halftime show and it's Reese Davis and and Desmond Howard and David Pollock and and here is the conversation off the top of the halftime show. Third down's been a problem. Alabama's converted only once. It's been a problem in their last two losses. Yeah. You wonder if to get something going, if Tua Tungabaloa will have to play in the second half, as Herbie mentioned. And Reese, I think that might be the adjustment they may have to make because there are plays there, but Jalen Hurst, he's not making the throws. Georgia's actually just pretty much tell them listen we we don't think you can throw the ball vertical we put an eight in the box we're going one high safety and we're daring you to throw the ball vertical and Jalen Hurst is not making the plays he had he had really in the end zone for an open touchdown the defensive back failed and he missed him so Des pretty adamant and everybody else was too so here's here's what I'm doing in halftime of that game in the press box so I was working for Sports Illustrated at the time and the way you did the national title game was so that the magazine closed on Monday nights. The games were on Monday nights. And it was supposed to close at about 7 p.m. They would stretch the deadline so that you could close it at 6 a.m. the following Tuesday morning. But they, weren't, they didn't want you writing a whole story off the game that had to be edited that night. So what, what you did is you wrote the body of two different stories. You wrote the body of one if Georgia wins the national title, it's kind of the story of their season, and one if Alabama wins the national title, that's the story of their season. And so I'm making sure everything is perfect in the locked-in 2,800 words of Georgia winning the national title because I'm assuming that's what's going to happen. And I get this twinge like five minutes into halftime, and I call my editor. I'm like, listen, there's still a way Alabama might win the national title, and that's if they go to Tua. But we don't have a single word about Tua in the pre-file story. So I'm going to need to add like, yeah. I'm going to have to take out like three or four graphs and add three or four paragraphs about Tua to make this make sense. And the guy's like, uh, can we do that? I was like, we're going to have to do that because it's the only way this is going to work. And so the, the last 10 minutes of halftime were me spent 
writing three or four paragraphs, setting up to a tongue of Iloa, telling the story, Aaron, of how he was was doing, you know, a lot of the first team reps at practice prior to the Sugar Bowl because Jalen was sick. And they realized, oh, wow, the ball's not touching the ground. This guy's the real deal. Yeah, I mean, we, we thought it was going to happen. But with Nick Saban, you're never quite sure. And I'm surprised. That's why I'm a little surprised that Kirby said that to uh, that Shane Beamer relayed that story to Seth because Nick is loyal to a fault to his guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, there have been times that he will not play. I mean, he didn't take the veterans off the field. So it, it tells you how badly they were missing things in the first half, and how many opportunities Jalen missed for him to actually make that decision. It's because Kirby probably had intel. He's he's still that he, – he's not that removed from Tuscaloosa. He probably had intel that that they were – like what we were saying now. He knew that Tua was pretty damn close to getting in the game the week before and probably knew that they were close to pulling the trigger on it. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So they come back out. Tua is indeed the quarterback. And I think that our memories of this game have sort of evolved with what happened. And, oh, instantly everything got better. He threw a No, it did not. Early. Could it really could not have been a worse first series. Like three and out, ends on a sack. Jonah Williams is hurt on third down. He's out of the game. And then this play happens, which – Georgia fans and conspiracy theorists and play in infamy and you name it. And we'll explain why it's not the conspiracy theory. You think it is, but only because the officials screwed up twice. Fourth three and out for Bama Hardman standing at his 30. One of the bright spots for Alabama so far, the punting of Scott. Dogs block it, but they got a head start. A flag is down. They came flying off the edge out of the starting blocks, but the false start is going to erase this block punt. That's Tyler Simmons, the receiver. Offside. Defense. Five-yard penalty. Still going to be fourth down. Replay fourth down. It's very obvious. He's a little eager here. That's a great look at it. He started off on the gunner, came down. Did he cross? Wow, that was really, really close. He was behind the line of scrimmage and definitely got a running start. He was not offsides. 
Seth, you told him he wasn't offsides. You, like, right. you showed him the video, right? Yeah, yeah. So Tyler Simmons, in the, the post-game locker room, um, I go up to Tyler Simmons, and I, I ask him about the play. And, and he just says, well, you know, I was offsides. I, I, I tried to, you know, time it right, but I didn't and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hold on. And I whip out my phone and I show him the play. He looks at it and then he just kind of gets real bug eyed because, you know, they're not showing him on the sidelines. No one's telling him on the sidelines. Oh, yeah. Right. I don't they're, they're all about playing the next that. They yeah. didn't re- and they they immediately went to the the punt on the next play. Right now, here's what happened though, because because the Georgia fans and I understand their anger over this because he wasn't offsides. If you block that punt, that's another field goal. Alabama probably can't come back and tie the game. You win in in regulation. I get it, but here's where they screwed up twice. Damian Harris, Damian Harris, false started on that play. Yeah. The the reason everybody thought that that. Georgia was offsides was because the Alabama guys were moving before the snap. And Damian wasn't the only one who false started, but he was the first one to false start. So it should have been a false start five yards back plays dead punt. And that's, and and it wouldn't have, it would, there would have been no net change. Now there was a play as I rewatched that if you're a Georgia fan, you should be furious about the missed Isaiah bugs face mask on Deandre Swift would have kept a drive alive would have led to at least a field goal and probably more than that. And that would have been a dagger in Alabama's heart. Them missing that, I think, was the was even worse than than the double screw up because at least at least their their two screw ups made the right thing happen on the fir- on the, the other one. I've always found it not humorous, but sort of uh, historical that Tyler it was Tyler Simmons that was on that play because he's the guy that the whole, you know, the story that Kirby showed mm-hmm. Tyler Simmons, Alabama's recruiting board, when, right. when Tyler was committed to Alabama, they're, you're not as high up on their board as they're saying that that sort of started that back and forth in the recruiting wars in Alabama and Georgia. And the fact that Tyler was the person involved in that play was always sort of delicious to me. <laughs> well, all, of, all of that. I mean, at that point, he was a, that, you know, he was a special teams guy at that point. He didn't become a part of the receiving rotation until like, a year or two later. And and remember another piece of the recruiting puzzle here. Kirby Flip Fromm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He was an Alabama verbal. Now, which led Alabama to then to sign, sign who? Mac Jones. And let's uh, not forget who was who, Devontae, They already had two a coming, right? Who was Devontae Smith who we'll hear from later originally committed to? Right. Uh, Georgia. 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 Yeah. He followed Sam Petito, though. That was when when he followed basically Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt brought Sam Petito. It was a name a lot, not a lot of people know, but he was a Louisiana guy that was with Pruitt at Georgia. And then when Pruitt goes to Alabama, Devontae Smith goes the other way. Yeah. Now, the the biggest play I think that Tua makes, other than the second and 26 throw, is he made a, a an escape on third down scramble that i mean was was magic so let, let's listen to that one because this is what sets up alabama's first touch left three wides right one to the left two at a throw stands there has time everybody's covered two and now runs to the near side cuts back absorbs three hits it's around bozeman goes to the left side he's to the 50 he's forward he's got a first they that should not have happened like he should have been tackled about four times 
<laughs> I do wonder, Aaron, him succeeding on that, did that boost his confidence and create the sack that forced second and 26? Absolutely. Because they were very similar. Yeah, I mean, Tua was a guy throughout his entire career, and it was to his own detriment. He he never gives up on a play, and it works so often for him. But it also opens him up to more hits and to bad plays like we saw in overtime. So that play kept a drive alive, and Alabama finally finds the end zone. Twice he claps his hands. Tua gets the snap. He'll throw into the back of the end zone. Touchdown! Henry Ruggs, thank you very much. Alabama in business with a touchdown. Let's talk about freshmen at this point, because that, that's a, a pass to a freshman, Henry Ruggs. Jerry Judy is playing in this game. He has uh, some catches. He has a very key block on a Najee Harris run, another freshman. Alex Leatherwood, a freshman, has replaced Jonah Williams at left tackle. I mean, this is – and then, of course, the biggest play will be made by another freshman, Devontae Smith. I talked to Scott Cochran after the game, Aaron – and he said that it was a testament to, to what, you know, where Nick Saban is sort of thinking ahead of everybody else. Like, if you notice, he puts Najee Harris in the game. Mm-hmm. He has Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs, two very capable running backs. He puts Najee Harris into the game. And you see now they had some older receivers that, that some of those guys were a little bit banged up, too. But. Those freshman receivers, Najee Harris, those are the guys who repped with Tua at practice. Mm-hmm. So the timing works better. Yeah. And, you know, at, as you mentioned, Najee got a huge fourth quarter. In, in terms yes. Of and he sets up a field goal that if they don't get it, they don't win. And, you know, I, I, they hammered that the next year in recruiting because Georgia and Ohio State and, and anybody that recruits against Alabama, you're looking for any advantage you can get. And as we know, all's fair in, in love and recruiting. You say whatever you have to say for the most part. And they tell these kids, freshmen don't play at Alabama. So you better believe the fact that all these guys made not just played, but were the impactful players in this game. They they hit that on the recruiting trail hard the following season. And also now, what you're what you're seeing in the second half of that game in the fourth quarter is that Alabama's depth takes over, which – Kirby and Georgia did not have that yet. That was year two of Kirby. Uh, they had recruited well under Rick, but to the first team, like the guys that we were seeing on the field, Alabama being able to bring these guys, the Najee Harris's, the Devontae Smith's, et cetera, et cetera. That was on offense and defense. That was something Georgia was not able to do at that point. So, but we're about to see a point where we think Alabama's dead again. I, I, I was writing I'm about to write them off again because here's how Georgia responds to, to that touchdown. Left to the quarterback, gets the snap. Fromm stands in. Fromm rolls long. A man behind the D makes the grab right sideline. It's McCole Hardman. So that's a touchdown for McCole Hardman. 80 yards. Uh, they, they wonder if he stepped out of bounds. They review it. it it's inconclusive because his, his heel is kind of right on the line. But it's it, hard it, to tell. It's after the Tyler Simmons play. That's the that's the thing is like in Georgia lore, the it it becomes once the Tyler Simmons right. was offsides things happened everything unravels. A- actually, I mean yeah, if that if they uphold that play and don't see the Damian Harris false start, Georgia's in position to at worst get a field goal, make it sixteen nothing, maybe punch it in, be twenty nothing. But still, after they don't get that, the the McCall Hardman touchdown puts them up twenty to seven. Well, so, and he, here's. Here's where Georgia has the stake in its hand 
and and has a chance to really do it. So this is this is the next series with Alabama having the ball. On the second and ten, Tua rolls to his left. Tua hit as he throws. It's intercepted at the 40-yard line by the Georgia Bulldogs. This is one of the worst throws you will ever see. All of the receivers are blocking, and he throws the ball. I don't think it was a called pass play. The receiver yeah. blocking. Yeah. Nick Saban, as Tua comes off the field, looks like he's going to have a heart attack. And that's why Nick Saban is so hesitant to make those decisions, to put freshmen in game. So, Seth, we know what happened at the end. Spoil, no spoil. This is like watching Titanic. So at some point you're going to hit the iceberg. It wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the, the, the punt block that got called back. Here's the iceberg. And it's, uh, it's basically Deshaun Hand's helmet. Tight end, Blazevich, left side. Quarterback from under pressure, stands in, throw, tipped, intercepted, Raekwon Davis. Raekwon to the 50, Raekwon down the, the inside. He's to the 40-yard line. Raekwon Davis with an interception. So I believe it is Deron Payne who gets the pressure. The ball is thrown. And, and by the way, the pressure's fine. Fromm's still okay. The ball is thrown off Deshaun Hand's helmet. If the ball does not hit Deshaun Hand's helmet, it is going to get completed for a decent gain. But it gets deflected into the hands of Raquan Davis, who then returns it. This was this was the game right here. If if that pass is completed, Georgia wins the national championship. Or if he just eats it. Yeah. If he just takes the sack. That's a mix of I mean from that is his 14th start at that point so he's really no longer a freshman but it was play he needed to eat it it, it just it that's the one that, that i had forgotten because you know you forget so much with so much happening in that game yeah. but if that if that interception doesn't happen the game's over yeah. there's nothing alabama can do they just run they run out of time yeah. so that was that was amazing but instead Alabama winds up having a chance to come back. And we mentioned that Riley Ridley had the game of his life. Calvin Ridley had not been able to do very much. Finally, Calvin Ridley on a great, basically turns into street ball because he's covered. He sees that he's about, he's, you know, he's running, you know, into another defender and then realizes if I keep running through the end zone, maybe these defenders will get hung up. And here's what happened. Nagy in motion. Here's Tua. He looks. Stands in. Everybody's covered. He'll throw to the left side. Caught. Touchdown, Alabama. Caught by Alabama in the end zone. What a play coming across for Calvin Ridley, showing his younger brother how you come up large on the biggest stage of the night. Yeah, that was that was a big one. What you got, Aaron? What's crazy about that play? That ball's not intended for Calvin Ridley. Right. That ball's, that ball's going to Najee Harris, who's being interfered with, but they're not going to call it. So you look right. at the official, he's not calling it. And he, because he can't see Calvin coming from the right, from right to left. No, because Calvin is behind four people at that point. But he's throwing it to Najee, who's covered and being interfered with. If that, if that doesn't happen, that was fourth down, right? Was that, a that was fourth down. That was, yeah. I, I remember when I was breaking down the, the game, you know, a few days later, you know, everyone wants to know what happened on, second 26 and Tyler Simmons was off sides even yet but that one that play is the one I keep coming back to like that that was fourth down they don't make that and and it was it's seemingly just a 
as a left-hander rolling to his left, he can't see Calvin coming across the back. It's yeah. just crazy that it went down that way. And and here's another piece of that. So right before that play, the play clock was about to expire. Yeah. And Saban freaks out and calls a timeout because Tua doesn't see the play clock. Yeah. And he's never, he's never started a game before. And he, you know, that's another meeting over as Tua comes off to the sideline. It's like, oh man, this is this is bad. And and so another thing I forgot, Aaron, I'm sure you remember this. Jalen Hurts runs one more play. At the very end to set up that horrible. To middle it. They yeah. pulled Tua because, again, he had forgotten the play clock. Play clock and yeah. and so they pull him, and then Jalen Hurts middles the, middles the ball, and it's tied at 20. Our friend Andy comes back out. Poor Andy. And this the snap. The spot. The kick is no good. The kick is no good wide left. The kick is no good wide left. Oh, poor Eli. The, the, the pain in Eli Gold's voice. Meanwhile, on the Georgia sideline, at that point, they're convinced they're going to win. Because oh, yeah. you, the, that was a death march drive down the field. And the defense was gassed to get back to the depth problem. And it was just Saban setting up the chip shot field goal and to miss yeah. it. At that point, Georgia people are like, too much. We've gotten too many breaks. This and you guys remember our vantage point, it was on the other end of the field, so we saw yeah. it. That wasn't a field goal where it hooks at the last second. You knew the minute it left his foot, he missed it by 20 yards. Yeah, see, I was on the field at the time, and I was I was kind of – I was down on the other end of the field on the sideline watching yeah. watching that. You you could tell. It was it was obvious right off, right off the bat. Andy and then – uh, A year later – we were, I ran into him at some event. He goes, and go back and watch my plant foot. His plant foot's not not flat on the ground. It's like this up in the oh, air. Oh, wow. He goes, and the moment got to him, he just, all fundamentals were lost. That is, it's crazy because that is, that was an easy kick yeah. for a guy like that. Well, it's and, easy for the program in America, not named Alabama. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, exactly. George has got Rodrigo Blankenship back there nailing 50 yarders in big moments. Not so, just in overtime, which we're about you to go, get. You to go to overtime. Fromm takes a bad road sack road. on third down. Yeah. Like, we, we, get, we kill Tua for the sack he took on first down in overtime. The sack Fromm takes on third down is terrible. But Blankenship bails him out by kicking a field goal from freaking Augusta. And he had hit the one in the Rose Bowl uh, the week before. I think right that was half, right? 55. Yeah, right at halftime. Like, that's a that's a whole other yeah. game um, a moment. But that was a 55-yarder, I think. And the one in overtime uh, against Alabama, 52. Yes. Was, yeah. That yeah. was, uh, I believe, Terrell Lewis that, that came in on a stunt, right? Yep. Twist. Yeah, because Alabama's pass rush was a little – different that game because Anthony Jennings had gotten hurt against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. So they, they had to make some changes and and Rodrigo uh, hitting that I'm sorry to interrupt, but I interrupted yeah. it. Um Rodrigo hitting that field goal was another moment where Georgia people were at this point convinced they're getting too many breaks. They're I mean how can you not win this game when their kicker is missing a chip shot that would win it and our kicker is going out and nailing a 52-yarder. Even though he hit a 55-yarder the week before, it's just like – just... Well, they, they had to be – We're not even done with moments that have Georgia people convinced they're about to win the game. They had to be feeling even more confident after this. From the 25, Tua fakes the throw. Tua stands in. 
Tua escapes. Tua tries to get away further. Tua cannot get any further, and he's down all the way back at the 42-yard line. Davin Bellamy. Davin Bellamy gets knocked down like twice on that play. <laughs> led better for led better another former Alabama commitment forces Tua out. Bellamy comes and finishes him off, uh, and they. I mean, you can hear it in the clip. I mean, think of if you're an offensive lineman, how long you'd have to block for on that play. You, you like, can't. Oh man! And he's not only is he not getting rid of the ball, he's moving backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the worst. That and that's what it. It felt like the most freshman moment. Yeah. Of a lot of freshman moments in that game. Right, and and you thought, okay. As amazing as he is, and, he, and and I'm thinking in my head of what the stories are going to be after the game, like, you know, with Tua, you're going to say you saw the flashes of promise and how this could be great, but ultimately he's a freshman and the moment was too big for him. And then, and the thing is, it was so quick. It really yeah. was between the, the – Very fast. Bama got the play in. There wasn't a lot of time to, to digest that. On you the saw headset, On the headset, Kirby tells his coaches they're going to take a deep shot here. Yeah. And you saw Saban, like, try, rip his headset off. He looks like he wants to throw it, but he doesn't. And he throws, he puts it back on. And by the time that happens, they're at the line of scrimmage. And we're going to hear this from a, a few different vantage points. I've, uh, I've spared you the Russian TV one, but we have, we, have, we have quite a few ones. So we'll start with Chris Fowler. Thank you, Valoa. I try to... Make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! So you got Fowler. Meanwhile, on ESPN Deportes. Y ahora sí despertó el público. Taigo Baloa con el pase largo. Tiene sombre. Touchdown! Now you got Sean McDonough on ESPN National Rail. Sean McDonough, great announcer. He's He is all class all the time. Um, I think... I think his most famous football call is pro- or televised football call is probably Michigan, Michigan State, trouble with the snap. That one. But he's he's got his own second and 26 call. Three receivers right, one to the left, straight back to pass, going deep, throwing it down the far sideline, and it is caught for a touchdown. Devontae Smith wins the national championship. Down the left sideline and wide open behind the defense. One true freshman. McDonough also a hockey announcer. That's, you, you get the, you're allowed those voice cracks in hockey, and yeah, and that's that was all. Yeah, this is- that, that's the moment for it. But of course, my favorites are always the local campus radio calls, and so we've we've got both. And wh- what do we want to start with? Do we want to start with Georgia? Or we want to start with Alabama. Go to Georgia. All right. This is as disappointed as – and I, I like to pretend what Larry Munson would have said had he been alive and uh-huh. calling this game because it would have been like, we, we got to hunker second and 26. We got him. We got him. We got to hunker down. We got to hunker down. He takes the snap. Oh, my God. He's open. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Darkness. Yeah. Well, this one stands out because he's Depth. he's just come out on butchering to his name and semi-making fun of his name. And then he has to call the that. Here we go. 16 yards, second 26 on the 41, they say. Tungle Vailoa going downfield. He's got a man 
wide open. Oh, my God. Touchdown. Alabama has won it. We just lost him in the secondary. Too deep. Got behind our quarterback. And the Crimson Tide. Sweet jubilation for them as the dogs are heartbroken. That's Eric Zier talking after Scott Howard, which pretty good by Eric but, Zier. Yeah, I mean, he, and, he and jumped in right four years later. By the way, on the Keeley Ringo uh, pick six, Zier had to like stop. He just he was he he said something. I wrote a big story about how the the that that night and them calling the game, but he just the emotions got to him. But like credit to. Howard and Zaire calling that in the moment. Like there wasn't any, like right away you hear Howard go, that's it. They won. There was no, is there a flag on the field or what, 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 what that, you know, he, well, and, and that's gotta be the hardest thing like for Howard, cause we're going to hear Eli gold, but Eli gold is now moving into, he's probably prepared something in case Alabama wins the national title. And he doesn't know how it's going to work out, but he's probably got an idea in his head of how he wants to say that. How do you go from 100 miles an hour to zero miles an hour right. in a split second if you're Howard? Because that's you are, you are calling the game. You are the voice of the team that is probably going to win the national championship, and it gets snatched away. As you, as you guys mentioned, it was shocking how fast you went from yeah. the, oh, my gosh, I'm just about to lose this because there's no way they're kicking a game-time field goal, too. We've never seen anything like it. No yeah. timeout. No. So I was where I was standing. I don't know where you guys were at the time, but I was so I was on the Alabama sideline and I was about five yards ahead of the line of scrimmage. So I probably well, no, no, I wouldn't have been. I I couldn't have been on the. So I I was probably at the 25. That's where we're allowed to go to. So that was as close as I get to the ball because the ball is on the 41. So I was I was on the 25 and I just remember. Looking straight down the field, I see Devontae Smith come into my field of vision wide open, and I go, oh, my God. And that was – and then the, then you see the ball. Well, Tua that was off the safety. Everyone wants to blame the safety for not getting over. Tua did it. No, he looked him off. Job. Yeah. Yeah, he – I mean, yeah, that's – Dominic Sanders, the safety that got looked off. Like, it's it's a shame. He's, he's never – I think he talked about it maybe at the Combine – um, a month later, but that's the only time he's talked about it. The cornerback who Devontae Smith runs past, Malcolm Parrish, has never talked about it. Um, See, they, I, don't think that play, I don't think Brian Dayball called that to take a shot. I really don't. I think they were trying to get it to Irv Smith running from the right, running just to pick some of that yardage back up to live to try to pick up a first down. What did Tua say about it? Was it did did he? I don't think he had the really first look or, or that's what. Clearly, what he was thinking because he looks right the entire time. Yeah. And, and then he doesn't even he doesn't even look. He looks De- right and then he just throws it left. Devontae said after the game that he could tell when he saw the safety sticking where he was that that Tua was coming to him. It just shows you how fearless Tua was. He wasn't thinking about I'm I'm living to fight for third down and pick up a manageable try to pick up a manageable first down. That's I'm trying to win the game. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was, and it was just like that, and it was over, and I just like, I I can't even imagine if you're Georgia to just have your heart ripped out like that, because, and that's why again we can do this now because Georgia just won one, they kind of did a little heart ripping themselves in in that game, so, but this was this was just incredible. So let's let's hear Eli Gold because listen he he's earned it. <laughs> Second and 26, 
Alabama Radio Network. Third down. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown. Touchdown, Alabama. Devontae Smith, touchdown, Alabama. There's confetti rolling down. Like uh, Bradley Bozeman, I remember walking by me, the, the, the center on that team, just tears streaming down his face. Alex Leatherwood, that's my, my enduring memory of, of right after that game was Alex Leatherwood had gone over to the Alabama sideline and he's sitting on like this equipment crate and he's just staring at the ceiling and there's still confetti coming down like a, a little bit left from the, the initial drop. And he's just like, you, you know, he's asking himself, did this just happen? Like, did this really happen? No. And Phil, by the way, Phil Savage steps all over Eli's call there. <laughs> but, oh, poor uh, Eli. You know, Kenyon Drake, who was on the sideline, he comes running onto the field. A photographer from from Alabama gets just destroyed in the in the yes side. in the end zone. Yep. So, and I just remember because I was riding in the press box. I hadn't gone down yet. And then right. as soon as it happened, I remember looking at Cecil Hurt, my colleague at the time, and I'm like, "What just happened?" And then you got to get on the elevator. We were all doing that. Figure it all out. It was chaos. Yeah, I was. Oh, I was yeah. in the press box too. Um, I, I think if, like, if if you look at the reaction, uh, Kirby Smart is the most like poised. Yeah, he just takes nope. his head off. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he he's you know he's acting like a head. He kind of grew up in a way that game. Well, um, and he's he's worked with Nick Saban for that long and kind of understands. Hey. But I'll kind of stuff that watch, they that might have been the first year. It was either it was early on when ESPN was doing the coaches show watching mm-hmm. the game, and Mike Bobo was one of the coaches watching it and doing analysis on it live. I um, mean, he's Colorado State's head coach at the time. He's Kirby's best friend now back at Georgia. But his reaction on the play, he just he also goes side. He I, I remember he just. He, he's excited and then he just he's stunned and just kind of leans back in his chair and can't say anything. He's like he he was at that moment, even though he was Colorado State's head coach, he was every Georgia fan going like, my God, what happened? As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're going to hear on this series some, some more games like this. Uh, we've got one on the, the Texas-USC Rose Bowl. And I, I covered that game and, and just remembered you know, when Vince Young dives across the goal line thinking I'll never see anything this amazing again. 
And then the following year, I was in the stadium when Boise State ran the, the Statue of Liberty. This and then is, I, this I've been, thing. I've been stunned like this at a football stadium twice. Kick six in this? This was the second time. The first was the kick six. And it's just yeah. like, you just can't believe what you saw. And that's, I mean, but that's what we love sports, right? I mean, oh, yeah. there's nothing. Uh, I was, I'd say prayer at Jordan Hare and uh, five yards short, the end of the 2012 SEC championship. Another great the, the 2013 Auburn season probably deserves its own documentary. Um, but between the prayer, Jordan Heron, and the kick six, and we'll probably, because this is going to be a continuing series. We're going to do this every once in a while where uh, we just have some fun and get together with some folks who, who covered these games and, and talk about them again. Because it's, it's so much fun to rewatch them and just see all the things we, either we missed or we just forgotten about. What and, moments and you forget about. Yeah. Seth, you mentioned Dominic Sanders. What if Dominic Sanders does not bobble that ball in the end zone? And that's an interception. That was a tough play, too. Like, he was I, – I, I don't know how many Oh, people it would have been an amazing have, play if he could have made it. But it was – yeah, not he, his fault. He, that, that went to review, I believe. It did, uh, yep. Was it ruled an interception and then overruled, or was it – No, it was ruled, ruled incomplete, okay. and then they, they reviewed it to see if it was an interception. Yeah. He came but, really close. Yeah. He got one slight bobble when he's in the air. Dominic yep. Sanders, I think – ended up his career i think he still may be like the georgia leader in interceptions he was a three-star recruit who jeremy pruitt found like believed in him offered him you know he wasn't going to an sec or acc school and to have his career end on that play it's just kind of sad it's 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 crazy and i remember what looking at i think it was nick chubb the broadcast shows and he's just on the verge of tears Mm-hmm. After that, and you just like, man, it's you, you see one side the elation, the other side you just the the locker room was. All of us who went in that locker room afterwards have remembered like how quiet it was, and the only thing you heard was like the thwacking of helmets against uh, the wall. Like a few a few people were able to talk. Jake Fromm stood there and talked, and um, uh, Davin Bellamy did, um, but like a lot of other people just got out of there and I, I i can't believe anybody could have talked after that exactly i mean there's like a year before awful. alabama loses to deshaun watson the last second it was a morgue yeah it was locker room so yeah and and so imagine those alabama now a lot of those alabama players were on the 2015 national title team so they they'd been there but after they'd had their hearts ripped out the year before they probably had some empathy for the for the georgia players as well i Jalen Hurts was incredible talking after that game. Mm-hmm. I, I could not believe – like, he handled that as flawlessly as one could, given the situation. I, that, that I still can't believe. Uh, you mentioned a name earlier, uh, Aaron, that I wanted to, wanted to bring back up. Cecil Hurt was at that game. And, and those of you listening, you may not know who Cecil Hurt is. Uh, Alabama fans, I'm sure you do. But longtime Alabama beat writer. We lost him this past year. And one of the great beat writers in sports writing history, like certain people like, cause it's a hard job to be a beat writer. And I'm talking to two, two of the best ones I know right now, but it's a really hard job because you're covering this team. You have to cover it fairly. You can't be a fan, but you also can't be, I'm going to bring the program down. Cause that's not your job either. You're just, just, you're supposed to cover what happens and be the most plugged in person there. And Cecil was that for Alabama for a long, long time. And just, I, I just loved 
getting to sit next to him in a press box because he's just what did he say aaron when when tua went in well what was it it was like one sentence well i mean we were we'd been talking about it at halftime that it was going to happen and cecil was i mean even though he's phenomenal with words i mean during the game he was pretty locked in yeah his head was down the entire time on an ipad or or reading a book but uh it basically, you know, we looked at each other. I was sitting next to him that game. And said, "Let's mm-hmm. see what we've we've been hearing all year long that Tua was torching Alabama's first team defense, and that 2017 Alabama defense was ranked number one in the country at the end of the year. It was the number one overall defense in college football. Um, and we'd been hearing week after week in practice he's lighting them up, but we never got to see it other than in mop up duty. So we're basically like Cecil. We looked at each other and we're like we're going to see for ourselves what this could have." Little did we we know. One of my vivid memories of that night was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Cecil, but it it was either you or Cecil behind me on press row saying number 13's in there. Yeah. At the start of the second half. And that's when I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, I guess I'm so focused on my own team. I had no idea there was any possibility they would put the back. You guys know you. You guys have both worked for newspapers on tight deadlines. This a, a, yeah. in the Eastern time zone. It's Monday night. It's late. It's overtime. So Cecil's not only was he just the, the beat writer with the game story, he also had to write the column. <laughs> so can, can you imagine off a game like that having to do both? So his head is down on when ta- when when Tua takes that horrible sack, and we both look at each other and we're like, we know poor Andy's not going to make a field goal. I don't care if it's a seventeen yard field goal, eighteen yard. He's not making. So we, we're pretty much resigned to the fact this game's pretty much over. And then it happens, and we, we talked about how quickly it happens. And we just looked at each other. I immediately get up to go downstairs for interviews. And I just – I remember distinct. I'll never forget. I gave him a push on his left shoulder because he was sitting to my right like, I can't believe this happened. And, and then, you know, he, and, he and for, played his story in his column. He made the deadline, and it was great because that's who Cecil was. And for context on the, the big picture of the game, how what, which national – title which ring for nick saban at alabama was this like number this was this was five at alabama six total okay this was georgia bryant georgia at this point in the season had come out of nowhere seemingly it's playing with house money but it's got all the history of 2012 uh 2015 gets forgotten but georgia was unbeaten alabama comes in you know it the storyline wise georgia was supposed to win that game but you could argue, well, no one expected them to get that far anyway. And, and to, it, it just, it made, it all made for a weird kind of feeling that it ended up that way, that Alabama it, won yet again. That I mean, it was a totally Lucy pulling the football away moment. But it, it, it feels like what happened in Indianapolis in January closed the circle. Yeah, right. Definitely. It, need, it, it needed to happen to kind of restore balance to the universe. But it, it is, it is amazing. And, and that is, as much deadline pressure as there was and, and all the other things and when, cause you know, you're, you're just doing your job at the, that deal. It's one of the most fun times I've ever had at anything. And like, that's one of those at the end of the night. When you get your sleep after that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The end of the night you finish up, I get back to the, the hotel and it's just like, I can't believe this is my job. Yeah. I cannot believe this. It was unbelievable. It, it just it, like that is like Aaron said, that is why we love sports because no one could have imagined it. If we'd said, 
before the game right the craziest thing that might happen for this game none of us would have gotten it right and then a year later like that's that's the that's the crazy thing to me yeah 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 Yeah. same Um, stadium jalen hurts comes in which saves their butts georgia at that point you're like that that one felt like because if you take that game with the, the previous year like they had play outplayed Alabama so badly in two games, and to walk away not winning either of them, you're just like, maybe it's just not going to happen for Georgia. It's, mm-hmm. Well, but, but it's, it's not a 20, hex. It's to, not it, yeah. To it, close it, the loop, 2021, the SEC championship. Like, <laughs> yes. and you, 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 Georgia fans at that point, they were so deflated after that, even though they knew they were getting another shot at them, because they were like, we're better than them. How did they – and not only did they beat us again, they kicked our ass. Like uh, – and, yeah, and then finally they just had to outlast them. Finally, finally, the year that they had caught up depth-wise, they were able to outlast them. Well, that one's a little too recent, but I'm sure in the next few years we'll be doing a uh, a rewatch party on that game as well, and I will have you two back. But uh, this is this is one that – I will never forget being there. I'll never forget exactly the spot I was standing in when I, when I saw Devonte Smith catch the ball. And I hope you guys have enjoyed the trip down memory lane, Georgia fans. I think you're okay. Now it's okay. You, you can talk about it now. Little postscript George. I think a lot of Georgia fans had no idea it was Devonte Smith. that caught the pass. Cause it was so, cause he, that was like what his seventh catch of the year. Now he, uh, he had caught a game winner against Mississippi state from Hertz earlier right. in the year. But Georgia's got its own Georgia people were focused on Tua and that angle. The fact it was Devontae Smith like I, it might have been till 2020, Devontae's Heisman season that a lot of Georgia fans were like, "Oh, that was the guy who caught second in 26." <laughs> Listen, everybody kind of blacked out, Seth. That's yeah. that's okay. Yeah. It's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> well, and guys, he was it, committed to Georgia at one point. Oh, wow. It, exactly. Guys, it has been a pleasure we got to do this again, and and probably that game in Indy is the one we're going to talk about. Plenty of material with these two teams. That's exactly right. We'll talk to you soon.